If you have a Bible, you can find this in John chapter 17. If you've got our church app, you can tune into this. All the verses are there and, and stuff you can fill out and so on. But Jesus said this, Lord, that they may be all be one, just as you, the Father, are in me and I are in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you've sent me. Jesus, in one of the last prayers on earth before he went to the cross, got some time alone. And what did he pray about? Did he pray about cars and houses and stuff? No. Did he pray about money? No. Did he pray about holiness or the state of the world? No. He prayed about unity. He said, Lord, let them be one. His final prayers on earth centered around unity. God wants us to be one, one body, one mind. But I ask the question, at what price? See, unity is a word we hear thrown around a lot. But what is it? What does it mean? And what are we prepared to pay for said unity? For holiness and revival, we said we'd give everything. But it's not the case for unity because God's unity cannot be bought. And listen to this, we cannot compromise truth for the sake of unity. I'll say it again, we cannot compromise truth for the sake of unity. Unity is important, unity is powerful, but we cannot forsake truth for it, which many are doing these days. So let me ask you the question, what is unity? You know, so I'm not really sure. Let me, let me tell you, unity does not mean we agree on everything, but it means we agree to disagree agreeably. 1 Corinthians 10, uh, 1 verse 10 says, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree that there be no divisions among you, that you may be united in the same mind and the same judgment. Now, the fact is, we can't all agree. You know, I like this colour carpet. You may not like this colour carpet. We all disagree on some things. I agree that, that, that uh, we live in a great state, but New South Welshmen might argue that. But they can't this morning, can they? <laughs> but you know, like you can, you, can, you can agree to disagree agreeably. We can crack jokes about football, but you know, some people say football is a matter of life and death, but something is, something is more important than that. You know, we can make jokes, but we can still agree on the important things. So you don't have to agree on everything, but you can agree on the important things. The Bible frequently commands believers to be of one mind without division. And I feel this is where we're at at Ignite at the moment. We're this kind of church. We might disagree on a few things, but we agree on the big issues, the important issues. And importantly, unity involves preferring someone else ahead of your own preferences. I'll get to this in a minute. Unity doesn't say it's my way or the highway. Unity is love. It's grace. So let me tell you, unity is not uniformity. We think that, oh, he wants us to all be the same. That's not true. It's not uniformity. There's room to be different in unity. True unity allows space for people to be different. Some are more different than others. Have you noticed that? Now think about it. An ocean-going ship is made up of all these different parts, and some of them are very big, very heavy, made of steel. Think, think of the steel parts. You've got propellers, rudders, steel plates in the hull, etc., Any one of those parts, you put it in the water, it'll sink. But you put them all together, the thing floats. How does that even happen? See, see, steel doesn't float, but when they're joined together in unity, they float. Think about a football team, which is probably what I think about a lot. But a football team is made up of different players. They might be wearing the same uniform, but they have different roles. They have different gifts different skills but when you put them all together they play as a team and that's how you have a championship winning team 
Not because each one is, is individual, but because they work together as a team. See, Romans 12 uh, says this, for, As in one body we have many members, and the members do not have all the same functions, so we, through though many, we are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ to the grace given us, let us use them. And it goes on to list all the gifts. Now, what it's saying is we can all be different, but we can still be in unity. Because we bring different gifts, different ideas, different thoughts. So we, sh- we shouldn't all be trying to be the same. It's not uniformity, we're striving for unity. As Ephesians says, maintain the, the, the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. So let me ask you, why is unity so important? Why would we even think about unity? What is it about unity that's so important? Well, it's important because for good or for evil, when people join together, there is power. Trust me on this. Have a look at, uh, we, just this week we've seen a, a, a government in Sri Lanka toppled by people getting together of one mind. I've, I've been to Sri Lanka many times. I'm actually in contact with people in there. And they've been out on the streets. They've been invading government houses and that sort of stuff to try and topple their very corrupt government. But if you think about it, for good or for ill, when you have you know, scenes like this, the Nazis, the communists, they get people together in unity. And so there's power either for good or for evil, but there is power in unity. When God looked down uh, upon the, the building of a tower of Babel, in Genesis 11, he said this, listen to the words he said, it's very telling. Behold, they are one people, they all have one language, and this is only the beginning of what they will do and nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them God knows the power of unity that's why he came down and mixed up all their languages that's why we have such diverse languages because if we are all together in unity there is power for good or for ill even evil is promoted by being in unity. God knows the power is there. But what must we be in unity about? I mean, you know, you say, well, I'm going to be in unity, but, but there's got to be a reason that we're in unity, right? Unity involves being one mind, and for us believers, it's incredibly powerful too. That's why Satan, make no bones about it, Satan would love to destroy the body of Christ. And what will he do? He'll cause disunity. He'll cause division within the body of Christ. Mark 3, verse 24, Jesus said this, If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. If a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. See, this is a biblical principle that we should be in unity because there is power. And where there is disunity, there is no power. Want a good example? Have a look at the church right across Australia. There is disunity out there and we are lacking power and people look at us as as the church collectively and they they question any relevance we have because we have no power because there's no unity. But frankly, it cannot be unity at any cost because we cannot forsake truth for the sake of unity. For churches, we can have differences on many things but still be in unity. But there are some non-negotiables that we cannot compromise on to achieve unity. Let me give you a couple of examples. Salvation by faith is one example. We cannot compromise that. Are you agreed? If you come in and say, well, you know, to get saved, you've got to to do this or you've got to deliver watchtower to people's doors or, you know, what? That's not salvation. Salvation is by faith, is by grace through faith, isn't it? It's, It's not a gift from yourselves. It is from God, not by works. So, Another one is the inerrancy of Scripture. 
You see, I can't compromise on this. The Bible is God's truth from cover to cover. Do I hear an amen to that? I'm not going to chuck bits out, squeeze bits, fold bits over to try and achieve what my personal aims or opinions are. We have to believe that the Bible is the inerrant scripture. It is God's word from cover to cover and it is without uh, any you know, contradictions or lies or anything like that. It's God's word. Now if you can't believe that, we can't be in unity because that is a non-negotiable. 2 Corinthians says this, 2 Corinthians 6 verse 14, Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers, for what partnership is righteousness with lawlessness, or what fellowship does light have with darkness? Now we, at the moment, we have so-called Christians, so-called churches, going around calling things that, that, that are sin, saying that they're okay, and God's okay with it. And I can't be in unity with that, I'm sorry, I can't. Can you? I can't. See, when you say unequally yoked... It's not just, to, people use that to talk about marriage. But you can talk about churches, you can talk about business or anything else. When you have parties from one side and the other side, when you've got two oxen that are joined together but they're pulling different directions, you just have a mess. You've got to pull the same direction. And so being unequally yoked means that you're joining together with people who are pulling a different direction to you. And we wonder why we don't have unity. We cannot be joined together in unity that don't believe the central core truths of what we believe. And we cannot compromise God's truth for the sake of unity. We just can't. So what should the church strive, strive to be in unity with? Let me give you a, a few thoughts on this. First of all, we should have unity around the future, not the past. We need to be in unity about the direction we are taking, not the past that we've lived. Thank God for the past. Thank God for the, the blessings that we've seen in this church. Thank, thank God for all the wonderful things that have happened here. But the past is past. It's done. We've seen incredible things in our past, but we, we want to see power now, don't we? We want to see power into the future. I don't want nostalgia. I want to see power for the future. We can celebrate God's goodness in the past. You know, it's hats off to the past, but it's coats off to the future. You know, there's so much more that God wants to do. And we can celebrate God's goodness in the past. We can remember it. We can study it. We can learn from it. But we don't want to be nostalgic about it because we don't need uh, uh, nostalgia for past glories. We need momentum for future power. That's what we need. So every great movement of God, doesn't matter what it is, every great movement of God comes in four stages. There's a man, a movement, a machine, and a monument. Okay? Now, you look at any great denomination around the world, it's somewhere in, in, that, in that spectrum. It starts with a man. So Methodism, for example, started with John Wesley. Uh, you know, William Booth started the Salvation Army. So it starts with a man, and then he gathers people around and forms a movement. And the movement is dynamic, and it's taking ground, and it's doing incredible things. And after a while, a generation passes, and the next one comes in, and it becomes a machine. It kind of looks the same. It looks like it's doing the same, but it's lacking the power. And then in the end, it becomes a monument to past glories. And you can see that in lots of denominations. And the ACC is a denomination and we face the same thing. If we do not keep moving with God, we will become a monument to past glories. We have to keep moving ahead. It's important. The second thing, 
we can unite around absolute truths, not relative truths. I believe the Bible is true from cover to cover. It is absolute truth, one which we can stand upon in unity. But what some people, even some people in churches, are peddling today is the concept of relative truth. Now, relative truth says that, well, it might be true for you, but that's not true for me. I'm different to you, but they're both true. And it doesn't work if they're polar opposites. Relative truth says, well, that used to be true, but it's all changed now because we're modern and progressive and none of that applies now. There's a new truth. And I think that's abhorrent, don't you? Proverbs 23 verse 10. Uh, Doug actually mentioned this to me during the prayer meeting. Do not move the ancient landmarks. Now, we've had ancient landmarks of doctrine that have stood for centuries. The people now feel this incredible need to move. Oh, well, we better move that because that doesn't apply anymore. Now, I believe if your truth can change, it was never truth in the first place. Truth is truth. John 8, verse 31, Jesus said this, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. How do you find the truth? It starts, if you abide in my word. We get back to the word of God. It is truth. Our society is in the mess it's in because their truth doesn't set you free anymore. It enslaves you. And their truth is no longer truth. It's morphing into something else. Have you ever seen society changing like it is today? It's It's weird. Something that, that two or three years ago was acceptable is now not, and vice versa. If truth is relative, relative to the government, relative to media, relative to social media's whims, relative to the latest fashions or crazy ideas, dictated, as much of this is, by a group of alphabet soup letters that don't even know who they are, LGBT, whatever, if that's truth, we are lost, folks. Because they don't even know who they are, let alone what truth is. They're making it up as they go along. Can you tell? Changes every two minutes. It, it, things have changed so much. I was actually doing some research and I found out now that some priests in certain denominations are openly coming out as gay. That's a change of truth, folks. Here's another one. The most dangerous place in the world today is not on the road and it's not in the Ukraine, it's in the womb. It's the most dangerous place in the world. You see, the thing is, the truth of the sanctity of life and the truth of God's standards has been discarded and is now, by many people looking at us, considered outmoded and bigoted. But not in God's word. God's word doesn't change. His truth doesn't morph with social opinions. Uh, Isaiah 40 verse 8, the grass withers, the flowers fades, but the word of our Lord stands forever. Yes. Hebrews 13 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. He's not going to change the standard for salvation next week. It's set and it never changes. Now more than ever, I believe we need to fasten the belt of truth around our waist, don't you? In Ephesians 6, we need real truth, proper truth, unchanging, everlasting truth. Truth that does not change with fashion and public opinion. The world won't like it. The world says they don't like it, but I don't care because God does like it. And an absolute truth, we can stand in unity together on absolute truths, can we not? The third thing is, we should have unity in principles, not preferences. 
This is really for us within the church. A principle is a fundamental truth that is the foundation for a system of beliefs or behaviours. In essence, it's the core of what we believe. Biblical principles are the basis of our faith. However, a preference is, well, you know what a preference is? It's your preference. It's what you prefer, isn't it? So many times the world calls principles preferences and preferences principles. Don't believe me? Here's an example. <coughs> I'm very controversial. Have you noticed that? I hope you don't mind. Look at the bright side. You're not married to me. So, you know. <laughs> Thanks, sweetie. But here's an example. For year, for millennia, since time immemorial, the principle has been that a man is a man and a woman is a woman. It's established by biology, it's established by science. Are you with me? Right, now people out there, they're saying, you need to look to science, you need to look to science when it comes to climate change, but they don't look to science when it comes to gender change. Why? Because it doesn't support what they're doing. Today, if you hold to scientific principles, which says you're XX or XY, you are called bigoted. And this is called hate speech. It's not hate speech, it's normal. It's science. Right? Today, despite science and biological preferences, if you prefer to be the other sex, we've now elevated the preferences above the principles, and if you would prefer to be the other sort, then you're entitled to do so. Your preference is now being made into a guiding light for, for governments and lawmakers around the world. But it's not science, folks. It's not true. Preferences strengthen segregation. They create factions and they cause disunity. Principles are truths that strengthen foundations and create unity. John 8, Jesus said this to the Jews. I'll say it again, I said it before. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Truth, folks, not opinions. Principles, not preferences. We need to unite on principles and it sets us free. Listen, anybody on, so if you, is anybody on social media here today? Like, not right now, but in general. One of the things you'll notice about social media, it has told people that they have a divine right that they can say, they can express their opinion no matter what, no matter who it hurts, because you're on Facebook, you can say whatever you like. Is this true? And they get away with everything. Social media has taught us that our opinion is really, really important. So no longer do you need to hold your tongue or weigh your words or speak with respect, but you can say whatever you want, whenever you want, hurt whomever you want because it's your opinion and opinions are the most important things in the world, not truth. That's what social media tells us. And look, we, you know, we can't say we're holier than that because if you look at church, we're the same. Churches can be as guilty as any other group when it comes to principles and preferences. Most criticism that the pastors that I know have received from church members are about preferences, not principles. What do I mean? They get criticised for their style of preaching, the style of worship. See, the Bible doesn't tell us that, that, that um, um, you know, drums are evil. Right? It doesn't say that. It doesn't say that, that loud music is bad. Common sense says that, but the Bible doesn't say that, right? 
But the thing is, we elevate our preferences and we say, well, God, God's not in that music. Well, yeah, he is. Because it's our preference, not a principle. So, style of preaching, style of worship, having communion every week. The Bible doesn't say we have to have communion every week. It's our preference. It's what we do. It's the way we operate. Nowhere in God's word <coughs> does it pronounce hymns more sacred than praise songs. Nowhere in God's word does it say topical preaching is less anointed than expositional preaching. It doesn't do that. You see, we can be different, but we can still be in unity. So, before you start criticising others, have a good look at what you are criticising. Is it really God's truth? Or is it actually your preferences being elevated to principles? The thing, at the end of the day, folks, what unites us is far more significant than what divides us. Is that true? And the thing I love about folks in this church is you tend to let your preferences go and you honour others for their preferences and you just, you, you just pull together. And we have tremendous unity here and I'm so thrilled and honoured to be a leader of a church like that. And in church, if it's not a core Christian doctrinal belief, we have to show grace and actually prefer other people, and, and actually love them, and care for them. Ephesians uh, 4.29 says this, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up. Does that sum up everything you say? I hope so. Build others up. It's easy to criticise, but it's better to build one another up. So what is the result of unity? We're talking about, talking about unity. What actually happens in unity? Why would we bother? What's the purpose? What's the result? Well, I used to think that being in unity brought blessing because people were not fighting and squabbling, so we had peace. That's a blessing. But it actually goes far beyond that. As I said before, when you're in unity, there is an incredible power. It's beyond, it's a supernatural power that comes either for, you know, the, the communists when they march together or for a church. It's for good or for ill. When there's unity, there is power. This is an actual tangible blessing where unity reigns in the body. Now, Psalm 133 verse 3 says, The Lord commands a blessing, even life forevermore. So when we're in unity, the Lord commands a blessing. Now, can I tell you, this is a little bit of history. Many of you weren't here for this, but I'm going to just outline things just very briefly. In the past, we've had some dissension in the church. We've had people stirring up stuff. Um, attacking all this sort of stuff. I notice that they're very quick, the people who do this are very quick to, to quote scripture, but they don't quote any scriptures on unity. Isn't that weird? But they quote other scriptures. But anyway, there was a lot of dissension. These people have, you know, blessedly moved on to pastures new, and we wish them all the best. But I have to, t and I do, and I genuinely wish them all the best. You know, I do. I, I, it just didn't fit here, and I got sick of being attacked. Fiona made me a t-shirt with a big target on it saying, I'm a pastor, take your best shot. <laughs> she actually did that. I don't wear it anymore because no one's shooting at me. But anyway, <laughs> that could easily change. But here's the thing. Here's, this is just looking back at our history. Here's a fact. When the last of these people left who were really causing trouble, within six to eight weeks we'd found this auditorium and, and this premises. We've been searching for years. Blind luck? No. What it is was we were in unity and God started to pour out his blessing and he's never stopped. Unity is definitely powerful. But can we unite with our Christian brothers and sisters when God's basic core truths are being watered down or compromised? The acceptance of gay marriage within the church, as trumpeted by many uniting and now Anglican churches, makes God's absolute truth into a relative joke. 
Instead of seeing society through the Bible, they want us to see the Bible through society. But society always changes. If you look at the Bible through society, it's going to always change. If you look at society through the Bible, it never changes. And we're on solid ground. Um, I have um, some friends in the Anglican Church, they're just about to debate the, the whole gay marriage thing in there. And it's going to split their church. And I'm sad for them. But, you know, we need to pray for our brothers and sisters in other denominations because it's really tough to be, to, to, to where the leaders of your denomination are, are doing that. You know, it's, it's really tough for those guys. But I can't be in unity over that. Philippians 2 says, Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. So if I ask the question, what price unity? Well, we can, we, the price we have to pay is our preferences, our desires and our opinions. But we cannot sacrifice truth for unity. Let me finish with the great passage, Bible passage on unity. I love Psalm 133, don't you? That's the go-to passage on unity, that and, and John 17. Let me read Psalm 30, 133 in its entirety. Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head, running down the beard on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commands a blessing, even life forevermore. Now, I get the first bit and I get the last bit, but what's with the Aaron bit in the middle? All due respect, Aaron. But, you know, but, but what's with the pouring of oil on his head and his beard? What's with that? It's kind of, it kind of seems weird. <coughs> what we need to, to understand is that oil in Scripture always speaks of the Holy Spirit and God's presence. So what that passage is saying, that the oil that is poured upon Aaron, that the... the, the chief priest's head doesn't stay on his head it runs it overflows runs down his beard runs across his collar runs right out to the edge of the hem of his garments he gets saturated in this stuff it flows out all the way you know Aaron gets soaked like the dew from Mount Hermon covering Mount Zion when dew falls it just covers everything doesn't it and that's what it's like today I believe Jesus wants the whole body anointed Every person, not just pastors and leaders, but all of us, and he wants a flow of oil to extend right through the church and right out to the edge of our garments. God can be active in all of our lives. We can be seeing miracles in all of our lives because, you know, it's an overflowing flow of the Holy Spirit. Remember the woman who touched the hem of Jesus' garments? Have you ever wondered about that? Uh, the woman with the uh, issue of blood? In, in, in Matthew 9 and behold a woman who had suffered from a discharge of blood for 12 years came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment for she said to herself if I can only touch his garment I will be made well and Jesus turned and seeing her he said take heart daughter your faith has made you well and instantly the woman was made well all she did was she touched his garment Remember, Paul, they were, they were taking handkerchiefs and praying over them. They were touching people and they were being healed. You see, that's an overflow of the Holy Spirit. It's nothing about the garment or the handkerchief. It's about the, the power of God, isn't it? It's the presence of God. And we have that promise that if we are in unity, if we pull together, not only do we have a bit of peace for a while, which is great, but we also see this incredible outflow of the Holy Spirit right through the church. Most people... 
in the course of a, of a usual week will not necessarily touch the head or the pastor or the leaders, but you may be able to touch someone else who's in the church. You may be able to minister to someone else. And we can believe, that's why we're in unity. We need that flow of oil to not just be on the head or the collars, but to overflow right out to the edge of the garment. For there the Lord commands a blessing, even life forevermore. In the Hebrew, the word for command is the word sower, which literally means giving an order and expecting it to be done. You know, when a general gives an order, it's not a suggestion. It's an order. Does he expect it to be done? Yes, he does. Commands a blessing, not just suggests a blessing, not just like hopes for a blessing. This is commands a blessing. When we are in unity, God does amazing things. You know, commanders don't give suggestions. They give orders and they expect them to be done. If you're associated with Ignite, maybe you're new here and you're wondering what this is all about, but I'm telling you, we are seeing blessing overflow such that I've never seen in all of my years in church. We're seeing amazing miracles happening time and again. And uh, a little piece of this is going to go with you guys down to Melbourne when you move down there. You got a little piece of piece of us. Because God's flowing, He's moving everywhere, and we're seeing miracles all over the place. But I'm telling you, if you hang out here, God does stuff. Am I right? Incredible stuff. And it happens because we're in unity. All we need and, and you know when it says who commands the blessing? Do I command the blessing? No. Do you command the blessing? No, what does it say? For there the Lord commands a blessing. So you see, I haven't got to worry about the blessing. I just have to stay in unity and serve God. And he pours out his blessing upon us. He does the rest. Ephesians 4 verse 3 says this, Maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. 1 Peter 3 8, Finally all of you, have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart and a humble mind. There is so many passages dealing with unity. And dealing with being one mind, it's incredible. And yet we overlook those sometimes for our preferences. We need to not do that. We need to love one another. Do I hear an amen to that? It's important. So let's get practical. Remember, unity is not just the absence of conflict. It's a powerful spiritual force that most churches are yet to appropriate. Within our church, we must celebrate unity and be intolerant of disunity. And really, when you think about the things that we argue over, are they worth arguing over? I was uh, at a, um, a do the other night, and uh, we were talking, uh, Raymond's been talking about this. What's the name of the new telescope? The James Webb Telescope. Um, have you heard of that? They've launched it beyond anywhere they've gone before. They're taking, and they had a photo the size of a grain of sand in the whole night sky, and that photo has thousands of galaxies in that one tiny photo each galaxy has billions of stars in it the size of our sun and bigger can you fathom that right and we were talking at this uh, um, party the other night and a lady there who's not a Christian she said to me I just think that's just amazing like we are so insignificant next to that you know, and she's right. Even a, a person who doesn't know God says, uh, wow, I feel pretty small next to that. You see, we, we lose the stuff that we go into disunity over doesn't matter in eternity. Most of that stuff doesn't matter. 
We need to be in unity because unity is not agreeing with everything. It's agreeing to disagree agreeably. And if you find yourself criticising others, repent and start loving them. And I pledge to you that we here at Ignite will join with other churches in unity across the... We have a great fraternal in this place. We want to join with other churches and we will stand in unity with them. But we won't budge on some of those issues. Because what price unity? We can't pay truth for unity. So what price unity? The price is often not, not agitating and getting your own way and your own preferences. The price for unity is giving up your rights, isn't it? You probably heard me say this before, but it's one of my favourite jokes. You allowed to say jokes? It kind of illustrates illustrates rights. The world's always on about their rights. Give me my rights. It's my right, you know. We get offended if we're cut off in traffic because it was our right to be there and the other guys wasn't. We are offend- We always go on about rights. You know, and, and I was thinking about all the rights in the world. We've got, you know, we've got Aboriginal land rights and we've got save the whale, save the koala and all this sort of stuff. And I reckon we should roll them all together as one and just have land rights for gay whales and get them out of the way and then we can move on. You know, everybody's screaming for their rights, but our right is this. Our right is to serve. That's our right. We forsake everything else to serve and to love one another and to stand in unity as we do it. We can have unity as long as the principles of God's word are not violated. We must never sacrifice true unity on the altar of our preferences or pet doctrines. But we're also called to stand strong on biblical principles. We must not compromise God's word for the sake of unity. This happens a lot and we must not do that. And the best example of unity, our faith and God's blessing poured out is is, is in Psalm 133. And the best example of all of this is when we pray together. If you need a job, if you need a home, if you need a healing, praying together is standing in unity together, isn't it? And we're a great church of prayers. And we want to be even more prayers, don't you? We want to see even more people at our prayer meetings because we want to pray together and stand in unity, believing God. So what we're going to do to finish up here, uh, I want to stand together in unity. Are you with me?